Equine, basket of deportables. So the same day as those Somalis were getting that news, here in the United States, at airports around the country, there were protesters, hundreds of volunteer lawyers. Oh, that was on TV. Maybe you saw it. One of our producers, Zoe Chase, was at JFK Airport Terminal 4 on Saturday as customs agents stalled out, waiting for instructions from above. Around the country, there was confusion over who to let in and who to keep out. It seemed like they were erring on the side of just holding everybody till they heard from Washington. Zoe hung out with the lawyers for a while, like Becca Heller from the International Refugee Assistance Project. Her team had been at the airport since the night before, trying to get information from Customs and Border Protection, CBP. When we talked to CBP last night and asked who we could speak to, they told us to call the president. Donald Trump. Yes, they, they specified that the president was Donald Trump in case, in case we weren't aware of that. So a lot of our clients who were being held yesterday, Customs and Border Patrol just kept telling them, we're waiting for a call from D.C. to tell us what to do. Really? And I don't know who is supposed to be on the other end of the phone. Like, is, it, is Mike Pence calling them up and telling them what to do? Like, nobody knows. All day, the lawyers couldn't see their clients. Zoe and the other reporters couldn't see them or talk to them. They were hidden away somewhere back in the airport. And there was all this mystery about what was happening with these people who had arrived from the seven banned countries. In the days that followed, over the course of this week, Zoe tried to answer that question about what was going on back there. While Becca and I and the masses of other reporters and lawyers were stuck in the arrivals terminal outside the Dunkin' Donuts, here's what her client Hyder was doing right at this moment. He was sitting quietly among dozens of people with no phone in a little room just a few minutes' walk from where we were. He'd started off in another terminal, trying for hours to ask the customs officer, what's going on? What's the problem? Relax, relax, sit down, relax. You know, my English isn't that great, so I would ask, you know, like, what's the problem? They'd be like, sit down, relax. I reached Hyder by phone a few days after the JFK episode. We spoke through an interpreter. He says when he got off the plane, he never even made it to customs. There were lots of people waiting around, which confused him. And a woman led him into a little room. You know, they still had my passport. And so I was there for like four hours just sitting and waiting. Haider had been trying for three years to come to America. He fled Iraq a year and a half ago, found his way to Sweden. His wife had worked for an American contractor in Baghdad, and their lives were threatened because of it. She and their son have been in Houston for those three years, trying to get him a visa. He got that visa to come to the United States on January 27, 2017. That was executive order day. His flight left Stockholm at 12 p.m. New York time on Friday. While he was in the air, the order went into effect. Hyder didn't know that. He didn't know the order existed, that things have changed. His mind was racing. I'm telling you, like, I can't go back to Iraq. Like, I, I can't go back there and I can't go back to Stockholm because I gave up my, you know, my right to be there once I came here and I did everything and it took three years and my family's already living here. Like, I have my wife and my son and my wife's family and everybody's in Houston. And I did this and it took me three years. And you told me to come. I'm coming. And now you're telling me I can't come. He couldn't call his wife, Danya was waiting in Houston. But she had a good idea why he might be late. She had Fox News on Friday afternoon. Um, I was at work, and I just uh, put the headphone in my ear, and I was uh, listening, and I just broke down when, when I heard the, the news. I, I just left. I couldn't uh, stay in my place. You were crying. Yeah. 
really hard time for me. And and what were you scared of? I'm scared because if they let him go, all the three years is gonna uh, be returned again. You know. Like you'll have to just do the whole three years over the whole vetting process. Yeah. Back at the airport, Hyder was stood up against a wall and searched. They put him in handcuffs. They took him to a car. Like you, I don't know. Like I can't. Like I can't describe it. You know, it was just you. Just there. This is the first time in my life somebody's ever put handcuffs on me, and without reason too. The first time in my life. And the car was an Iranian and another Iraqi, also in handcuffs. They drove to Terminal 4, the terminal where the lawyers and I were. He got taken into another room. CBP took the handcuffs off and told them why they were there. One of the officers was telling us, so this is what Trump said, if you're from this country, if you're from Iraq, and even if you have a visa and everything, you're still going to be sent back to your country. Then I was saying, I was in Sweden before this, like I had a visa there and everything, like you... You can't send me back to Iraq because the second I get sent back there, like, I'm going to die. And what did they say to you when you said that? She said, I can't do anything for you. I was just at that point that I just went and I and I sat and I was just like... I don't know if it's like we were all allowed to phone call or whatever, but once they, you know, they kept telling you and telling you you're going to go back, like I was, you know, like almost defeated. So I was like, you have to let me call my wife and let her know what's happening, you yeah. know, because she doesn't know. So I have to let her know. Yeah. And then they just gave me the phone um, to call. Danya, what, what happened in the phone call? He called me at uh, one o'clock. Uh, he, he said uh, uh, they will... Send me back, so don't be sad. And uh, I, he said I could, I came back to Sweden, so they would send me to uh, Baghdad. And uh, <clears throat> I couldn't talk. I and uh, my sister called Julie. Mm-hmm. She's uh, my lawyer, and she said, uh, uh, "Just tell him, don't sign anything." Uh, yes, I'm here. We have a lot of people here waiting for him. Julie, the lawyer in JFK, keeps getting calls from Donya's sister over the next few hours. She keeps her earbuds permanently in her ears and periodically shouts things out, like, I am at the airport, ready to assist. Any word on your client? Uh, unfortunately, no. Um, last I was told is we are waiting uh, for the Secretary of State and the Secretary of Homeland Security's signature. I don't think we have a Secretary of State. Tell me about it. A customs official comes out at one point into the crowd of lawyers. She says, come on back. But only two congressmen, Nadler of the 10th District of New York and Velasquez of the 7th, are allowed to follow her. No lawyer. See if you can read what they're trying to get him to sign. Hyder told me he stayed in that room at the terminal for another 10 hours. At some point, they brought him chicken and biscuits. One by one, he watched people leave. Hyder was not interrogated, like was reported at other airports with other people who were held up. His wife waited, cried, texted the lawyers. 
We asked the White House to help us understand what was happening. We got no response. But I read the Washington Post. Here's what the administration told reporters on a conference call. The news media need to calm down their, quote, false, misleading, inaccurate, hyperventilating coverage of the, quote, fractional, marginal, minuscule percentage of international travelers who have simply been, as the reporter puts it, set aside for further questioning for a couple hours on their way into the greatest country in the world. And okay, sure, a couple hours, even 10 hours, even 24 hours is not a big deal. If you know what happens at the end, that you get to come take refuge in America like you were promised. It is a big deal if you spend 10 hours worrying you're going to be flown off to a place where you're going to be killed. And your wife spends those hours thinking she'll never see you again. p.m., 22 hours later, Hyder walks out into the arrivals area with everybody waiting. According to his lawyer, Julie, five minutes after being told, no, 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 he cannot leave, apparently CBP suddenly changed its mind. They got a phone call, and then they said, he can go. His lawyers think it's because they filed a habeas corpus suit. But really, we don't know. We might never know. He came out with no documentation of what happened, which is extremely unusual. And so Hyder is here in America with Donia. The customs officials were nice about it when they let him go. Then after they came to me and they said, OK, like we finished everything and you can go to Dunya now. Oh. I mean, to see, like to get out there and to see all of these people that, you know, st- 